the monitors on up here, if they are, they're not. Yeah, it just sounds really echoey up here. Uh, go ahead, if you turn to John chapter 13, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. I'll read verses 12 through 18, and then we will, I'm sorry, 17, and then we will move on from there. So when he, when Jesus had washed there his apostles' feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I had done to you. Most surely I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, once again, another time of studying and looking at this section of Scripture that we would truly know it thoroughly, but Father, I pray through the knowledge of it that it would motivate us in the doing of it. Father, to, be, to, to, to serve somebody else, especially to humble ourselves and to serve them as a slave, is a hard thing to do. But Lord, as you set the example, I pray that we would follow through in that. And so, Lord, we just lift up this section of Scripture and pray, Father, that you would make it real and doable in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Now, last week, we saw a contrast in verses 1 and 2, very important. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now again, there's a contrast here. You've got those who are the Lord's, and you have, it says the Lord knows who's, who's those who are his, and so we have those who are of the Lord's in that room, but also we know, and you see the stories we go on, there's also one that is of the devil as well. And so those who are of the Lord are going to give this object lesson but the one who the devil has entered the heart of, he's already self-centered. He's already thinking of himself. He's already got a plan that exalts himself. Well, the example that Jesus is setting here is those who would humble themselves and how they would be lifted up. Taking these two into consideration, we looked at Isaiah chapter 14. We're not going to turn there tonight but we saw a series of I will statements from the devil. Well, the devil was cast out and the devil will be destroyed. In Philippians chapter 2, we're told, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Very important, very emphatic. Let this mind, what was the mind of Christ before he came and entered into this world? Well, it goes on to say that it was a mindset of coming as a bondservant. And he's telling us, and we have this example in Christ, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so I have to redefine the things that I've been taught, some of the things that I've learned, and definitely how I can be. Because I was raised by my father to grab for all the gusto I can. I was told that I needed to prevail even if, even if it was at the expense of somebody else. Now, to humble myself, well, my father was not a humble man. But the thing about it is the Lord has his designs on his people. And so we can either humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord 
or the Lord will humble us in his sight. Praise God, my father was humbled through cancer, but it ended up being to his salvation. Now, as we are saved, we're shown here this example of servanthood from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, this is the night before the Lord's crucifixion. And he's given last instruction. There's going to be a bit more instruction, but the first thing we saw in the previous chapter, his last public sermon, now we're seeing this private instruction. And so that should lend importance to what Jesus is saying here. Before he leaves, he thinks, he knows, that these are the important things that he needs to leave these people with. And so... Jesus is giving them an example, really, of what true Christian fellowship is. We all must consider, are those closer to you, closer to Jesus, because of their existence in your life? Are the people who are in my life, the people who are in your life, because they're in your life, are they closer to Christ than they would be if they weren't in your life? Am I being that example of Christ? Am I leading them to the one that I should be leading them to? And it's definitely not me, but it needs to be Christ in me that leads them to the Lord. Well, we're certainly closer to the Lord without a doubt because the apostles did learn their lessons. They learned this lesson. So verse 12, so when he had washed their feet. Now we saw this previously. It's what we built the lesson on last week. Again, very quickly, verses 3 through 5, we saw these four points, these four points of service that we need to see that, well, follow that example that Jesus gave. First was in verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was coming from God and going to God. He knew the will of the Father in his life. We need to know the will of the Father in our lives. We need to understand what God desires of us. Now, everybody here is a born-again believer. You've been spiritually gifted somehow in some capacity for the glory of God and for his service. That needs to be a humble service that's given to, well, for the Lord's benefit. It's up to us to figure out, to know what our giftings are. Well, obviously, Christ knew, but we need to know as well. But it's not good just knowing, verse 4, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He rose up to do this ministry that God had called him to do. And so he knew it, but he also did it. And then we see this place. He took a towel and girded himself. He didn't only rise up and do it, but he also prepared himself. He was ready for the work of ministry. Again, not just showing up the last minute, not just, well, just coming ill-prepared, but understanding and making it real in our lives, because I'll I'll show you that this is ministry to one another, coming to church, and not just being of the mindset of what you're able to get, being of the mindset of what you're able to give, because what it is that you have to give in this church, this church needs it. We We need your spiritual gifting. We need the blessing of your presence. See, during Christmas time, and we get people that come by here, Is this the perfume shop? I don't know why they think we're the perfume shop, but at the other end of the complex, there's the perfume factory or warehouse or whatever it might be. And there's always a bunch of people there. And so if you go by the perfume shop, you'd say, something's going on here. Well, it's a bunch of stinky stuff that they have on shelves that people buy a lot of, you know, spend a lot of money for. But in the church, if there's never anybody at the church, there's never going to be of that mindset of what's going on there. 
And so I have to be of the mindset that as I come to church, it's for the purpose of giving. Being here, that's a big part of it. But then also giving of myself for the benefit of others as well. And I'm not talking just about signing up for service, although that's a part of it. But it's just giving of myself and serving the brethren. And, well, give us an example. You know. You know. You know when you've seen it, especially when you've seen it, and you didn't do it. When you have that opportunity to minister to somebody and it gets past you. And that can be one of the most frustrating things. When you have an opportunity to share the word, but also just to serve a brother or sister. Or maybe there's a situation or circumstance that, well, that person that just really gets underneath your skin and you have that opportunity to die to self and maybe you've missed that one and, 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 and caused conflict or whatever it might be. We need to be of the mindset that Christ, he came and he, he knew, he rose up, he girded himself, and then he did the work of a common slave. And this isn't even a common slave. It's the lowest level of slaves. Lord God of the universe did the work of a slave so that we would know and we would understand, well, as the Lord did these things, how much more so should we be people who serve him in that capacity? So when he had washed their feet, taking his garments and sat down, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Now look at that statement, taking his garments and sat down. Now he's, he, he has put back on, you know, not just so much putting back on his clothes, but clothing is a picture of his righteousness. And clothing is a picture of his glory. He had taken off, you know, back to Philippians chapter 2, he took off his glory so that he could come as a man in a way that we're able to comprehend him. Well here he had taken off those garments and put on the garments of his slaves to give this example but now he's putting his glory back on. And it's important to know and to understand that because he's given application to what he has just done. So again, the idea here is this is God who is now speaking in the capacity of God as he has just given this example in the capacity of a slave so that we would understand what's going on. And so the attitude of the disciples, the attitude of disciples has been very suspect really throughout all of the Gospels. They're just not getting it. If Jesus would have asked me, he never does, but if he would have asked me for my advice, I would have told him, we're going to have to put the cross off for a little while longer because these guys you got, it's just not going to work. If I'm going to build the kingdom, I don't use these guys. But that's of the world. God is putting these people together for his reasons and purposes. And I thank God that he used common people like that because that shows me that he can use us, that he can use me. Now, it was customary for a slave or the host to wash the feet of the guest. Usually, again, if, there were, if it was a well-to-do person's house, it would be the lowest level of slaves. Well, here there's no slave, nor is there any host. In that case, usually what it was was, was the first to arrive would be the foot washer. And it's very possible, maybe even probable, that what we see here in Luke chapter 22, it was their attitude as they were going. They probably understood that one of us is going to be washing the feet of one another. Now in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, during this time, we see their attitude. It says, now there was also a dispute amongst them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, 
and those who exercise authority of them are called benefactors. But not so among... He says, this isn't how it's to be amongst you. Now, when he says amongst you, we need to see it as amongst us. But not so amongst you. On the contrary, or opposite that, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. And so, again, this is the illustration. They're going, and it was probably Peter, could have been John and James, Peter's brother Andrew, more than likely. They're the ones who seemed to be on the inner circle when the Lord had a lesson and he was only going to take a few. Oh, we seem to pick them or have these private conversations with Peter. So we're on our way, and Peter's thinking, well, I I might get there first, but I'm not washing feet. I'm I'm kind of the, the head guy around here. And and John would say, well, you know what? I I was up on that Mount of Transfiguration with you. Andrew, well, I'm the one who led you to the Lord in the first place. And so they're all making their case why they ought not to be the ones to wash the feet. And then you can imagine as they're sitting there, I don't know how it transpired. I'm not that old. I wasn't there. But I would imagine as you're sitting there and it comes time for the feet washing, you're probably looking, okay, who's going to be the one to get up? I know if I sit here long enough, if I keep my mouth shut, if I don't say anything, somebody else is going to do it sooner or later. And it was true, somebody did. And it was the Lord. And I can imagine, now, you've got to understand, there's going to be the Holy Spirit that is going to, you know, Jesus Christ rising up for this lesson. It's going to have impact upon the hearts of the people who were there. And a lot of the time, the impact in our life is the conviction that it brings. And they're going to see... Here he is. This is the one who walked on water. This is the one who healed the blind, who caused those who were lame to walk. And he's going to rise up, and and he's going to wash our feet. That's why Peter would say what he said, Lord, not my feet, because Peter realized, I'm sure, how unclean his thoughts were. Again, probably at least one of the ones, if not the one, who made the case for being the greatest. And so they do have great things in store for them, but the great things that we have in store for us are not of this world. And so Jesus finishes his lesson, and then now he's given application, or maybe a better term would be, he's giving us understanding of what he has just done. Again, verses 12 and four, or 13, 12 through 14. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment, sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Well, easy answer is you'll wash their feet. But obviously it's going so much more deeper than that. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, remember the context. It's very important, the context of what is being said here. Who's he talking to? Obviously, he's talking to the apostles, but he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church, and it's filled with these different personalities, and there's even an unbeliever in the midst of them. But nonetheless, he's talking to the church. Yes, we are to humble ourselves and go and minister to people outside the church, but if you're not doing it inside the church with fellow brethren, you're definitely not going to be doing it outside with complete strangers. And so he's talking about humbling ourselves for the purpose of building up believers within the body of Christ. It's why I say you need to come to church expecting, 
what am I able to give to the body of Christ today? I'm not talking monetary. I'm talking about what are you able to give of yourself? And I'm not saying every time you're going to be give, 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 but just be of that mindset. How am I going to be able to minister today? Is it going to be somebody out in the foyer before church starts? Is it going to be after service, somebody sitting off by themselves? I I usually stand, as most of you know, pretty much everybody knows, I stand right there next to the door after service, and usually i got people talking to me, and it's all good and fine, but I'll look sometimes into the fellowship area. I'll see a mass of humanity, but a lot of times I'll see one person sitting off by themselves. And just as sad as I'll see a mother who's there with maybe a couple of kids, and they're there for a while maybe eating a donut, and they just kind of turn around and slip outside the door. And we've got to be of that mindset. Yeah, you, you enjoy the fellowship with one another, and we don't get to see, you know, maybe just once a week or whatever, and we do need to enjoy that. But if we start pulling within ourselves, we become Club Calvary, and it's real hard to penetrate clicks, even if it's just one big click. And so I've got to be of that mindset. I, I so want to talk to so I enjoy this, but I've got to, I, I got to take the role of a servant here for this person. And what are we doing? Well, who knows what that mother's at? Maybe that mother needed food and didn't know who to ask. Maybe that mother, maybe she's just been left by her husband and, and needs some sort of fellowship. Maybe she's having some issues with, and we can go all down the list of maybes, and sometimes those maybes are realities, and God has brought them in here, and maybe we've missed the opportunity. And so again, he's speaking here to fellow believers. Look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, said to Peter, he who is bathed, so the idea is he who has already been cleansed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but, but not all of you. The idea is, he says you're all saved. Not all of you. There's one, as we said. But you still need that periodic washing. We, we still need that washing. We still need, as we're going through, I'm all clean, but there's still the part that hits the floor. Get out of the shower, I usually put slippers on. We have wood floors and it gets dust and there's nothing worse than getting in bed and having black bottom of your feet. Everything else is clean, but your feet aren't. Well, as we go through this life, as we walk through this world, we're not to be a part of the world, but we are to be in the world. Our walk is our Christian life. We're going to get soiled. There's no way we can walk out into that world and not get soiled. We're going to stumble, we're going to fall, whatever. I'm already clean. I've been washed clean by the word of God. I'm born again believer but I, 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 need, I need the feet clean. I need my walk cleansed from time to time because, yeah, it, it's hard. There's the temptations that are out there. There are the attractions out there that call in your name from time to time. We know that the word is a, well, water is a picture of the word of God. And that's what he's talking about. You need that cleansing. You guys are doing well. You come to the midweek tonight. Come to Sunday morning and just need those periods of time reconfirmed and to be cleansed and to be prepared to go out into the world for the purpose of making disciples. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 says that he might sanctify them and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word of God. It's what picture that we have in the, in the temple. As you would be entering in, well, the tabernacle. There was this tent. It was 30 by, by 90 you would come in, and the first thing before you would go into the Holy of Holies would, would be the altar. Now, the altar is the place where sin was taken care of. That's where the sacrifice was made. And so you have a priest. He's a sinner just like everybody else. He's going to enter into the Holy Holies. But if he just walks directly in, he's a dead man. 
because of his sins. They've separated him from God. So he's got to deal with the sin issue on that altar. So he makes the proper sacrifice, and his sins are covered. But then he goes, and there's the laver. And the laver is just basically a big bowl. It's a big bowl that is filled with water. And the idea is, even though your sins have been taken care of, you still need the cleansing. You still need the cleansing from time to time. And it's then that he is able to enter into the holy place, and if it's the Day of Atonement, the holy of holy place. So our ministry, obviously, is to serve one another. It's the picture that we have in Christ. And who is it that is to serve? The more mature is serving the less mature. We have this lesson in Jesus Christ, obviously the most mature man that ever walked this earth, but he's humbling himself for the purpose of giving this lesson so that these guys can in turn go on, and when given the opportunity, they can humble themselves, give that lesson, and pass it on. And so, again, kind of contrary to how the world operates, the more experienced, the more mature, they're the ones who are placed on a pedestal. But Jesus came to be the servant of all. And so the more mature in the body of Christ are those who have no problem going down to the level, humbling themselves, going down to the level of somebody else for the purpose of lifting them up, serving them, whatever it might be. We've got a picture, a pretty rich picture, in the book of Galatians. If you want to turn there, if not, I'm going to read it. But in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it starts, Brethren. So we know right away that the Apostle Paul is speaking to born-again believers. He's speaking to people within a church. Brethren, if a man, he's given an example here, is, <coughs> is overtaken in any trespass. Now, when he's saying overtaken, it's not like this trespass came and jumped upon him. But he's given in to a trespass. Now, a trespass is a greater degree of sin. Sin is just missing the mark. It's just not being perfect. But a trespass is knowing that that's sin and going over there and committing that sin. So this guy is an absolute sinner. There's just no doubt about it. But it says, you who are spiritual... Now, you can read into that, you who are spiritual, you who are mature. Because what do the immature do? And maybe even people have been saved along, maybe even traditional religion. These are the people that we like to take out back and crucify or to stone or whatever because we so easily see our sin on them. And so killing them off, we kind of think that kills off our sin, but it's all it does is destroy the body of Christ. Because think of it, we can only have so many stonings and then we don't have any people left. I'm the last one because I'm the pastor. I don't get stoned. But you who are spiritual, you who are mature, what are we to do with such a person? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted as well. Lest one day you're the one who is found out as being a sinner. Or you're the one who comes before the body because... Well, just the guilt has overwhelmed you and you're confessing your sins to a body. Now, just think, who do you want to confess your sins to? You have a body of believers and been going on, you've been part of that church for 10 years and you guys have been dealing with people who have been overcome by trespass. Now, if you've dealt with people who've been overcome by trespasses by stoning them, then you know you're going to go up there, you're going to confess your sin and you're going to be stoned. Or if your sin has been found out, you're going to be stoned. But just think if the church was filled with people who were overcome by trespasses, but you washed their feet. You washed their feet, and you met them where they were. 
you restored them. You didn't just restore them. You restored them in a spirit of gentleness. Now you've got people whom you've been part of their lives, that you've been ministering to, and that you've been serving. And how do you think they're going to treat you when they realize the trespass that you have been overcome by? Now all of a sudden you've got people that you have prepared for this day that you have been overcome by sin. And they're ministering to you in a spirit of gentleness. You see how a church is supposed to be? It's not throwing people out. You know, take it away from stoning in the extreme. It's not throwing people out and casting people out. It's not putting people down or holding people up as a bad example of who the devil is or whatever it might be. It's verse 2. Bear one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love God. Love the brethren as herself. Verse 3, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Probably should be on the front door of every church. Verse 4, But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not another, for each one shall bear his own load. So we've been told to bear our own load and to bear one another's burdens. What's my load? Your burdens. I'm to come along, alongside, and I'm to help you when you're burdened so that you're built up so that when I become burdened, you're able to come alongside of me. And then you have a church firing on all cylinders, a church that's working hand in hand, ministering to one another. And then when we have that person that, well, maybe in the past that particular church or another church has kicked out, instead of being kicked out, they're brought up. They're, I won't, Most of you know who they are, but I'm not going to mention their names, but... We had a group of guys that were going door to door and came to these people's house. They had a particular situation in their family. This wasn't really a sin issue, at least not on their part. But the church they had been attending told them they didn't want them there anymore. And so we come door to door and we come knocking on the door and tell them, we're Calvary Chapel. And they go, you know what, we don't want anything more from a church. We were at this one church and, and they kicked us out. And it wasn't because these people were in sin. This was just a situation beyond their control. The guys who were there talked them into coming, and they've been coming now for some five, six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been. But you see the damage that is done when we're of the mindset of, of banditing the wounded rather than healing the wounded and seeing them lifted up and restored back to ministry. How do you know, again, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, how do you know you're spiritual? How do you know when you have reached maturity? Well, in the original manuscripts, the punctuation wasn't there. The chapter marks weren't there. It's just for our benefit, nor were the verse numbers there. And so if you go back and you look at verse 22 of chapter 5, you can bring that all the way into chapter 6. How do we know who is spiritual? Well, are you exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law and those who are christ now you can take this back to john chapter 13 those who are christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live in the spirit so let us walk in the spirit let us conduct our christian lives in the spirit let us (coughs) let us not become conceited or self-centered provoking one another or envying one another. Then he goes into brethren if a man is overcome by any trespass. That's how it's supposed to work. That's the example. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Because, see, we we look at Judas and we consider upon Judas, I'm back in John 13, 
And, you know, yeah, the Lord washed his feet, but you know what? He wasn't deserving of his feet being washed. None of them were deserving of their feet being washed. Deserving of their feet being washed isn't even an issue. Nobody deserves anything here. It's all about grace. We've come in by grace, and we need to relate to one another by grace. See, you don't need to build yourself up before you're at a place that I'm going to minister to you. We need to go with even, well, again, Jesus washed all of their feet. And again, I would imagine the water, the water that he used probably wasn't too cold. Because too cold's pretty impersonal. It wasn't too hot. Too hot can be hurtful and overbearing. The applicator, what he used, the towel that he used, probably not burlap because that will remove skin. But it probably wasn't cotton either because that wouldn't really have it done. See, there's got to be the balance. We've got to be gracious people. Sometimes you've got to be stern. Just because you're stern doesn't mean that you're not washing feet. Just because you're stern doesn't mean that you're not gracious. But we have to balance all of this out and understand what ministers, not to everybody, because what ministers doesn't minister to everybody, what ministers to this particular person. Because what ministers to this music stand won't necessarily minister to that music stand over there. What ministers to that person won't necessarily minister to that person or the way that I go about ministering. This person may, well, my daughter Chelsea, when she would mess up, I could just look at her across the table and I could bring her to tears just with this Ursioli stare. Sean would laugh in my face, but her, I had to understand the gentle spirit that she was. My son Sean, or the twins, they would demand more sternness in how things were taken care of with them. And so, again, what Jesus did, he probably used linen. Linen, it's got a little bit of roughness to it, but a little bit of softness, but it was that which is applicable to the situation that would get the job done. Verse 14 and 15, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, if I've done it to you, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And I tell you this, if you wash their feet, we ought to be washing one another's feet as well. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now notice the word in verse 14, you also ought, ought. That kind of seems like it leaves some leeway there. You ought to do, you know what, you should do that. That's not what Jesus was saying. Ought, ought means if you look it up in a, uh, a lexicon, that word is pretty powerful. That word means we are indebted to do the same. You have a debt. Why? Because Christ did it to the ultimate upon the cross for you. As Christ went to the cross for you, as he took up the cross of sin, how much more so should I take up my cross where I nail my flesh to that I give of myself for the glory of God and for the benefit of one another? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And what does it say? It's your reasonable service to present your bodies as just this living sacrifice. Here I am, Lord. Use me. (laughs) I wonder how many people... I've done it. How many times? Here I am, Lord. Use me. Somebody just threw up in the corner. Can you clean that up? Uh, Lord, here I am. Use me. But not for that. No. It's completely given yourself to God as a servant, as a living sacrifice because Christ has already been killed 
and for us to die as a sacrifice is an unclean offering before the Lord. And so we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So if Jesus is your teacher and you're his disciples, if he's your Lord and you're his subject, then this is how you are to serve him. What did he say to the conceited Pharisees? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? What did he do to the religious leaders who are full of themselves and have exalted themselves? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? And I can make this real easy. Let's just bring it to one thing that he says. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Just work on that one. If you get that one down, you'll be doing well within the body of Christ, and the body of Christ in turn will be doing well. Verse 16, Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. In these verses, we have the key to what everybody is searching for in the world today, and a lot of people within the church are missing as well. Our founding fathers declared, declared that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are our inalienable rights. Not happiness, but the pursuit of happiness. How is it that you pursue happiness, and I'll define that word contentment in your life, to live a content life? How are you pursuing it? Are you pursuing it according to human standards, to man's standards, with what you're able to accumulate and servants you're able to gather? Or are you doing it the Lord's way? Because what did he say here in verse 17? If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed or content. You'll find contentment in the body of Christ. See, you're a new creation in Christ. You're not like the world. And so if you're a new creation in Christ and you're still acting like the world, you're never going to have peace in your life. You're never going to have happiness or contentment in your life. But Jesus is saying, if you do these things, which in the sight of the world makes no sense, because how could I ever find contentment as a slave? But as your Christ slave, as you do those things, you find contentment. Because why? Because a slave, when he goes against his master's will, he's punished. He's not finding contentment or happiness. But when the slave is obedient to the master, then how much more so is he going to be blessed by the master? And we have a master that loves us and cares for us, that gave us this example of what we should do. And so, no confusion here, he laid it all out. Again, verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So we know exactly what it is that the Lord desires. The world, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way is death. But in Psalm 144, verse 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. In essence, Jesus is saying, right here for the Christian, you can stop pursuing, you can stop, stop striving, and you can find rest in your service, Jesus is saying, to me. And what is it that we need to do well, I mean, service, but says, if you know these things, we've just spent 45 minutes so that we'd be able to know them. Now, when we dismiss, comes the hard part. If you know these things, see, it doesn't say you're blessed if you know them. Blessed are you if you do them. 
that that's definitely here that extends through this whole thing because i know people who know this better than i know it and they don't do it and that's why they don't have blessings in their lives matter of fact there's nothing sadder than a christian somebody who's definitely a born-again believer who knows all of this but isn't really doing any of it and seeing the misery that exists within their lives revelation chapter 1 verse 3 blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep or do those things which are written in it for the time is near so read hear but to do as well, or to keep those things. There's got to be an outward expression of God's word as it is planted in our soul. If you look in the mirror, you look at your life, and you see no outward expression of those things, is his word really finding root within your heart? If it's finding root in your heart, go back to Galatians chapter 5, you'll see the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are for the purpose of enabling me to be the servant that God has called me to be. Remember last week in verse 3, we see what Jesus knew. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. What Jesus knew led him to what he did. And so we must know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We must know that the master was motivated by love. We saw that in the first verse. And because of that, he took the role of a servant. We must know that we are not greater than our master. We also must know what is acceptable service for the master is acceptable service for his servant. We must know and understand that we are sent to go out into the world to make disciples, and this is how it is done but first, we've got to be built up and build one another up in the body of Christ. And then we have to go out and do all of these things. One last thing. We can know these things and then look at our spouse and say, you know what, if they would wash my feet, I'd wash them. If my feet were cleaner, then their feet would be cleaner. Or your children or the fellow people in here or whatever if you know these things, blessed are you. If you do them, know, I'll close with this. Verse 17, notice the term you is mentioned three times. It's not blessed is your spouse if they do it. It's not blessed is your children. Blessed are the members of the church. God's talking to you. And if you're thinking somebody else, he's definitely talking to you. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, I pray that we would be a people who would hear the things, that we would digest these things, but God, at some point, I pray that we would follow Jesus' example and do these things, that we would rise up, Lord, knowing what you have called us to do, and that we would prepare ourselves, that we would gird our waist, and that we would finally wash each other's feet, that we would minister to one another. Father, my prayer tonight is, is that you would take this sermon and that you would multiply it many times in those who are here and those who maybe hear it on a radio show or, or hear it on the internet or wherever it might be. But Father, we would truly understand what a church is. Lord, that Christian fellowship isn't going to the latest Star Wars movie, but true Christian fellowship is ministering to one another. And Lord, that's going to take something. Father, those who come to this church, if they come expecting to get something, they're going to leave disappointed. If they come expecting to give something, then they're going to be blessed because they have. 
And so, Father, I pray that you would drive these things deep within our hearts, that, Lord, we would know and understand what a good God you are, and that, Lord, we can display that good God to all who we come in contact with. We thank you, Lord, for this evening, and we just bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you all stand, please? Well, if you haven't noticed, Christmas is over. We got rid of all of our plastic trees and everything. It's all tucked away for next year. We're moving forward and forward. First thing on the list is the woman's retreat, ladies. So we need to get people signed up for the woman's retreat. I believe the sign-ups are starting. I was just in a meeting for an hour today. But the, the sign-ups are starting this Sunday. And um, just see what God's going to do this year. We're getting together and we're going to start planning for the other things. You see the announcement in the bulletin for Vacation Bible School and the stuff that we're looking forward to getting for that. And we saw the year in review. Let's make the year in review even twice as long as we did the year before. God bless you guys.